You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. I can't believe that this is episode 50 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. Wow. I remember a year ago, my own kids had a snow day and I had just finished taking a podcasting course and was all ready to start recording episodes. And I came into this walk-in closet where I'm taping today's podcast and pressed record and I felt super nervous. And I want to thank everybody who has shown up each week to listen to the Autism Outreach Podcast, which focuses all about autism and communication. I have had such an amazing experience filming these 50 episodes and we just keep on making weekly episodes. And I love connecting with all of the podcast guests. And I also love reading your reviews or your message you send me on Instagram about episodes that really touch your life. So we are going to keep on trucking. And to celebrate our 50th episode, I am going to share with you 10 things I've learned over the first 50 episodes of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I can't believe we've made it to 50 weekly shows. Such a blessing and such a gift. I've had so many amazing guests. It's such an awesome way to connect with people. And we have had a real variety of guests too. And that really means a lot to me on the podcast. So we have had on speech therapists. We have had on autistic individuals. We have had on parents of autistic children. We have had on BCBAs, teachers, you name it. It's all about communication and autism and from a variety of different perspectives. I was definitely always the student in class who was getting marked for talking. And so this podcasting journey has really fit in perfectly for my personality. I love being a speech therapist because to me, I love being around people. And that's really what drives me is being able to help autistic individuals start communicating and increasing their overall communication skills. And so for me, this podcast is really just an extension of what I love to do in my professional and personal life. And that is really just connect with people. I love being able to share other people's stories, other people's journeys, and strategies that are going to help you help your own children or your own students at home. So let's get into the 10 lessons I've learned over these past 50 episodes. So if you haven't been able to tune into every single episode while you've been working out or taking a walk or doing the laundry or driving to work, I'm going to give you a little snippet. Some of these are from previous episodes that were highlights for me. And some of them are just some personal things that I've learned across this podcasting journey because it has. It has absolutely been a journey. A year ago, I had no clue how to do my own podcast, and I definitely had a lot of support with the podcast. I've been a guest on a lot of different podcasts, but it's really cool to be able to have my own podcast. So the first lesson that I've learned was from Nathan Morgan in episode 16. In episode 16, we discussed creating environments for all autistic individuals to communicate. I got to know Nathan. He is 
somebody that is local to the Cleveland, Ohio area where I am based. And he works for an organization called Milestones, which I really love and enjoy that organization. If you haven't given it a look, give it a Google search, and it's got great information for professionals and parents. I've been asked to be on the conference planning committee for many years. And this year, I've been asked to be on the executive planning committee. And that is so amazing. I've got to know Nathan through those different organizations and different planning committees that I've been on. He is a social worker. He is also an autistic adult. And we discussed some amazing online social opportunities that he has created. And with the pandemic starting, it was really hard for people to be able to socialize. And so now we're living in this hybrid type world where some people do want to socialize face-to-face and some people do feel more comfortable doing virtual talk or virtual events. And so Nathan has created this really nice online forum as a way for people to to meet and for people to, to socialize. I love the fact that Nathan shares that because one day somebody has their camera on and is verbalizing this way, you know, the next time that they log on for that social group, they may not feel like communicating in that way and that that's completely fine for us to to accept. And I think as providers, that's important to think about too, especially with virtual, because I know I've had some students who have really done great with virtual instruction when we were doing teletherapy. And I have some students who that virtual instruction was really a barrier to their learning. So making sure that we are supportive of how people feel comfortable communicating on that day or during that opportunity. The one thing that I wanted to talk with Nathan about, and we filmed his episode pretty early on, but we discussed using person-first language. So saying this is a person with autism, this is a student with autism, versus using the word autistic first. And this is something that people have been dialoguing quite a bit online about, and there are definitely people who have strong opinions about this and feelings. And so Nathan said, you know, the autistic community really wants us to use that term autistic first. Dr. Carrie Magro, I also had on the podcast, who is an autistic adult and PhD and public speaker, really an amazing person. He also said the same thing. So if this is something new to you, it may take a while to get used to saying autistic. I do recommend, just like when I have somebody new on the podcast, that I do ask what their preference is because everybody does have a different preference. But what I'm hearing and what Nathan shared with me is that in general, the autistic community does want us to use the word autistic. I know that might be hard for some people listening because when we were going through school, when I was going through graduate school, which was... I think I graduated, yeah, 2003. Oh boy, I'm dating myself. We were really taught to say person with autism, person with hearing loss, whatever it was that that person was valued first, not the disability. But that's really changing. And so Nathan really taught me that lesson. And that was lesson one that was in episode 16. So thank you, Nathan, for coming on. And thank you so much for sharing that information with us. My second lesson that I've learned was in episode 17 with Chris Winger. If you haven't met Chris Winger, on this episode, we talked about creative ideas for therapy with older students. Chris is a high school speech therapist, and he's also a, I'm going to say influencer. He is just an amazing force. He has a ton of TikTok followers. I'm very jealous of his TikTok presence. 
And he's just really, really creative. He uh, has a musical side. He's very positive. I think that's what I love so much about Chris. I've always, his message has always really resonated with me because for the past almost 10 years, I've been a middle school and high school speech therapist three days a week in a public school. And it's really hard to find other speech therapists who work with older students. So I feel like once you meet somebody, you really have a relationship with them and you really kind of vibe with them. And that's how I felt when he was on the podcast. He's very inspiring. And if you ever have a chance to hear him talk, make sure you listen to episode 17. And he does some public speaking too. He shared a quote on that episode that I had never heard before, but I love, and I use it all the time in my personal and my professional life. And it makes so much sense to me. It was how you do anything is how you do everything. And I was really blown away by that because as a speech therapist, as a business owner, as a mother of three, as a wife, all the things, I'm always trying to be very organized, to be very diligent, and to be very present for anything that I'm doing. And I really love that idea. You know, we don't want to just throw that IEP together. We don't want to just throw together something for our kids. We don't want to just do it this way because that's all the time that we have. How you do anything is how you do everything. And that really gave me pause. And it made me think, obviously, I'm always trying to do my best, but it just made me think, you know what? I don't want to be so rushed. I really want to be present in the moment. And so thank you, Chris, for sharing that awesome quote with me. I really love it. And I hope that you are inspired by that as well. Our third lesson learned was in episode 20 with Braxton Baker. Braxton Baker is a fellow SLP, BCBA. Some of us call ourselves unicorns because there's not many of us. There's about 450 people worldwide that are both speech therapists and BCBAs. I have always wanted to connect with Braxton and we had a great chat. That episode is all about generalization and embedding communication. I loved that he discussed the five Ps that he reflects on with each IEP. IEPs can be an amazing time because it gets the team together and sometimes it's a celebration. Sometimes we're talking about how great our students are doing and other times we're dialoguing about what isn't going great and what can we do to help support our students. And he shared these five Ps, process, purpose, possibilities, progress, and peace. And I love that. So talking about creating processes, which I think is really, really important. I'm always thinking to myself, how can I make sure that my students are working on communication, not only with me during their speech therapy time, but across their day? How can I embed those opportunities so it's systematic and it's a process? Giving them more purpose. You know, what is our students or our learners day comprised of? It's comprised of work on IEP goals. So we want to make sure that those are very, very functional. Creating more possibilities. I love this one so much because I know in my heart, the reason that I created ABA Speech and everything that I do and share with all of you online is that I want my students to have competitive employment. I want my students to spontaneously communicate at school and in the home environment and in the community. And so those IEP goals are going to help give our students more possibilities, more overall progress. Oh man, I just finished my progress notes. And I know that that data that I take during each and every session is going to help us see that progress. And if we're not seeing that progress, it's a great time for us to analyze, hmm, what's going on here? 
And what steps can I take to make sure my student is making that progress? And then making more peace. I think that's a really important one too with the team because we are going to have, sometimes when we're working with autistic students and autistic learners, we may have a very large team. And that team may be comprised of speech therapists, BCBAs, parents, the autistic individual, outside speech therapists, outside consultants, maybe advocates, lawyers. And sometimes that piece gets lost. And I think focusing on these P's and focusing on that person that we are helping to support is very, very important. And so I love that Braxton shared that. That was a really good life lesson for me. Okay, episode number eight is actually where the next lesson comes from. And this is the fourth lesson that I've learned over these past 50 episodes. And this episode was with Dr. Mary Barbera. We discussed early signs and intervention. Dr. Mary Barbera is a RN. She is also a PhD and a BCBAD. She fell into the autism world in the late 1990s when her firstborn son, Lucas, started showing signs of autism. And she discussed her personal journey with us and all the indicators where, you know, she was worried about Lucas and getting the diagnosis and then her pivoting her entire career and her entire life focus into helping autistic individuals. And she does that with so many different, in so many different ways. She has a podcast called Turn Autism Around. I've been on that podcast twice. Thank you, Mary, for having me on. And she has courses, courses that help support autistic individuals, really courses that help parents understand how to start being their child's best advocate and how to help their children today, not just with communication, but with behavior, with toileting, with you know finding providers. And she has such great information. She really is a mentor and a friend to me. And she shares such great info about her personal journey, which I like to have parents on the podcast because I feel sometimes as a provider, it's hard to understand what a family and an autistic individual are going through and making sure they're getting the right supports and making sure they're choosing the right providers and making sure that the school system is supporting them in a way that is going to help them make progress and it's going to help them be independent and it's going to help them find their happiness and their joy and all those amazing things. And so thank you, Mary, so much for sharing with us on episode eight. I remember when I was first starting ABA Speech, I took Mary's courses and I remember emailing her and saying, hey, Mary, I'm going to take your courses. I know that we are going to get along really well because we see eye to eye on a lot of things as far as communication. And I had read her book, The Verbal Behavior Approach, when I moved down to Austin, Texas. And I became an autism facilitator and support specialist when I was down in Austin. I knew that they used verbal behavior down there. And it really just opened my eyes and really kind of gelled a lot of things in how I was supporting communication for my students. And it's really cool to come full circle and reading Mary's book and to taking her courses, to being in her membership. And now I really consider her a friend and mentor and she's doing such great work. So thank you, Mary, so much for sharing with us. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a good one. All right. My fifth lesson I've learned was from Kate Grambois. Love that last name. It's so beautiful. In episode 32, we talk about AAC and evidence-based practice. We discuss something that I am not sure that every speech therapist knows about, but it is an amazing 
resource. It is called the Communication Bill of Rights. It highlights the fact that communication, as we know, is a human right. This is something that is available on the ASHA, A-S-H-A. If you are not a speech therapist, that is our national organization. It is available on the ASHA website, and you can Google it. You can Google Communication Bill of Rights, and it is something that you have access to, whether you're an ASHA member or not. But it really is a wealth of information. It talks about many different items. I think there are 15 different items listed that are just kind of reinforcing what we know as speech therapists and professionals. But one of them is, you know, people have the right to interact socially, maintain social closeness and build relationships. Well, yeah, that's what I want for every single client, but it's great to see these things spelled out. Another item on the communication bill of rights is that individuals have the right to request desired objects, actions, events, and people. Absolutely. And I talk a lot about that ability, that right to request those specific items, actions, places in my signature ASHA approved course, Help Me Find My Voice. And, you know, I really created that course for kids who are school aged, who are autistic, who are not yet speaking and giving our students a way to communicate with the world and writing functional IEP goals and working with students who may display problem behavior that's a barrier to their learning and students who oftentimes are using AAC or where that is being considered as an option. So thank you, Kate, so much for telling us and reminding us of this really great resource. And if you're a professional and you haven't checked it out or you remember, yeah, I think we talked about that in class once. It's really, really powerful to read it through and just reinforces a lot of the work that we do with our students. So the communication bill of rights. The sixth lesson that I've learned was from episode 39, where I had a talk with Crystal Sanford about autism and supporting parents. I had heard Crystal talk on another podcast that I listened to for speech therapists starting their own private practice. And I loved her message. I love the fact that she specialized in helping autistic learners. And I really loved her story. She is a speech therapist. She lives in California. She was working as an SLP. And then her daughter was diagnosed as having autism. And it really had her shift her entire career to where she now focuses on helping to support parents and does that through advocacy work. She shared what an advocate does and how they can be a dynamic and helpful part of the team. And I think as a speech therapist, sometimes when we, or a professional, sometimes when we hear that an advocate is going to be at a meeting, it can make us extremely nervous because the role of an advocate is really to advocate for that student and to be a support for the family and making sure that the team is doing everything that we should for that student. And so sometimes being in meetings with advocates can seem kind of contentious and can kind of seem uncomfortable, but it was good to learn exactly what does an advocate do? And I was so intrigued by my talk with Crystal that I've actually started doing and do actually have been doing this for my private clients. I see a couple clients privately through my business ABA speech. And oftentimes these parents are going through the IEP process. They're going through the evaluation process for the first time ever. And I do a lot of advocacy work with my clients and, you know, reviewing IEPs and giving feedback and suggestions, attending meetings and talking with Crystal Crystal, and just learning more about what does an advocate do. I have actually joined an organization called COPA that is for advocates. I have signed up for a course through Rights Law 
which is uh, an amazing website if you haven't visited all about special education law. And that is something that I will be sharing soon, but ADA Speech is going to be offering advocacy type services where we will be, I will be reviewing IEPs. I will be coaching parents through the special education process because it's so much to navigate, especially if you have a child who is potentially doing school-based services and doing some ABA early intervention or ABA services as well. It's hard to know, you know, how should I structure my child's day? How much ABA should they be doing? Should they be doing public school, preschool too? It's a lot of questions to navigate. And I thought to myself, you know, I've worked the past 20 years. I've always divided my time between ABA centers and being a public school speech therapist. And I love being able to share all of that information with my clients. So I am doing some advocacy work now, and I will be offering that as a service coming soon with ABA speech. And episode 41 is where I learned number seven, number seven life lesson. I was talking with Kayla Chaco about what play skills should my child have and how can I help them? Play skills are important and there's milestones that come with play skills. Kayla is a wonderful wealth of information. She has this really amazing YouTube called Walkie Talkie where she shares information, strategies that are helpful for not only parents, but professionals as well. And she focuses on helping younger students. So in episode 41, we talked about play milestones. And I revisited some of these play milestones that I'm using every day, but sometimes you forget, when does that exactly take place? And when does a child usually acquire that skill? And so we discussed pretend play. Pretend play usually appears around 18 months. And so that's where a child's going to pretend an object is something different. So maybe they have a banana and it's in the kitchen. They pretend it's a phone. Okay. That's kind of this pretend play, pretending that something is something else. And it's a higher level play skill. We also discussed how we need to get rid of the pressure to be perfect. And I love that so much. As a professional, we want to be perfect. You know, sometimes I get down that rabbit hole of looking at Instagram and looking at all these perfectly curated sessions. When I know that, you know, my sessions may not be Instagram worthy, but I know that I've reached my student. I know that my students are making progress. I know that I'm supporting parents and that's what really feels good. But sometimes we can have that imposter syndrome and think, who am I? You know, this isn't a good session. This isn't all thematic. It doesn't all go together, but we need to take away that pressure to be perfect. Whether you're listening as a parent or professional, it doesn't have to be perfect to be helpful. Thank you, Kayla, for that life lesson. Okay, the last three items are more general little nuggets of information that I have learned on this podcasting journey. So number eight is I have learned that my walk-in closet, if you're watching on YouTube, makes a really sweet place to podcast. This is where I started the podcast and we had no video going on. And then I changed it to my home office, which has this, what I think is a nice backdrop of my harp. I grew up playing the harp and I love that. My daughter, oldest daughter's taking lessons now. And so I love that you can see the harp there. I also have my two products that I've made, the Action Builder Cards and the Double Up Game. And I really love the way that it looks, but I didn't think the sound quality was good enough. So I've segued it back and I'm back in my walk-in closet. So here it is. I like being in this little cocoon 
If you want to see what my walk-in closet looks like, check out ABA Speech on YouTube because, you know, we're putting up the podcast so you can see it. All right, tip number nine that I've learned is that you can't do it alone. Whether that's as a professional, as a parent, you can't do it alone. And I just wanted to say, I would not be able to put together this weekly podcast if it weren't for the help of number one, Pat Flynn. Pat Flynn is my business mentor. He has a course called Power Up Podcasting. And I took his course and I learned how to podcast. And that's how I'm able to bring this podcast to you every single week. I've been on Pat's podcast, Ask Pat Twice, talking about my own business journey with ABA Speech. So thank you, Pat, for always being there for me, for your weekly office hours, for your amazing courses, for the team that you've put together at SPI Pro. It has really changed my life. Thank you so much. I also wanted to thank Heidi. Heidi is my amazing assistant. You may have talked to Heidi if you've taken courses. She is my customer service person, but she helps me so much behind the scenes with getting all the information we need from podcast guests, with sending Starbucks cards to our podcast guests as a thank you for being on. She does our ASHA reporting. She does so much for us, Heidi. Thank you so much. I also wanted to say thank you so much to all of the guests that we've had over the past 50 episodes. I have enjoyed each and every conversation. Having somebody on your podcast is this really, really amazing experience. Thank you for sharing your journey with me and all of my listeners. I also wanted to thank Karen and Meredy who put together the social side of things. I could not do it without your social media skills and your graphic design. I appreciate you. And I also wanted to say thank you to David and Abigail who make my show sound amazing. Thank you, team. I also wanted to share with you my 10th and final thing that I have learned over these past, I can't believe it, 50 episodes, I have learned that there is still so much to share. My husband always says to me, are you going to run out of people to have on your podcast? And I'm like, no, I have the next 50 kind of sketched out in a rough draft plan for you. I'm very excited to share those. We have episodes coming up that will absolutely blow you away. In upcoming shows, we are going to discuss topics like autism in girls. Autism in girls is a topic that does not get talked about enough. There are stats out there that say that autism is four to one in boys and all these things that I used to share in talks. And we're just not sure about that. Is that really what the stat is? And, you know, maybe these girls are not getting diagnosed. You know, I've talked to a lot of females who I've either had on the podcast or met in professional organizations that have had autism diagnosis when they were in their 30s. Um, And, you know, they really look back on their life and say, gosh, you know, I wish I would have had support in this or, you know, all these things that I maybe struggled with all really make sense to me now. And so we have a really stellar episode coming out about autism in girls. We're going to also have episodes about how to plan therapy for school-age autistic students. This is my jam. This is what I do every single week is plan therapy. And I want to share that with you. We're also going to talk about how parents can be partners on the IEP team. I just don't think we can talk about IEPs, that team process enough. How do we work together? How do we have parents as partners? How do we dialogue and have that positive tone? Uh, We're going to discuss that and so much more. I want to say thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. In each and every Tuesday, I love having this time to chat with you all about autism and communication. Cheers to the first 50 episodes and to many, many more. 
I'm so glad that you could tune into our 50th episode of the Autism Outreach Podcast. It was great to spend this time with you. I want to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode because we have so many amazing shows coming up. I also want to urge you to leave a review. I love getting your feedback about the show. I want to share with you one of the reviews that we just got in. It's titled So Practical and Relevant to Real Life. It says, Rose shares a ton, exclamation, of great information for therapists who are working through the day-to-day challenges of being a clinician. Highly recommend. Thank you so much for that feedback. I am a treating speech therapist that is in the trenches day to day, just like you. I love weekly sharing these tips and strategies that will help you support your autistic learners. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and write a review. I always love hearing from you. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.